Hello, I'm Alison Creel, founder of Above and Beyond Education, an online portal where every educator is celebrated for the amazing work that they do each and every day. It's a space where you can share what's going really well, celebrate, collaborate and support and so much more. Flying High is the official podcast for Above and Beyond Education, and each week we'll hear from one of our members who share the highlights of what's going well for them in their work in education. Our guest this week is Maria Brosman, who's an education leadership, health and well-being specialist. She's a counsellor, an author and a coach. And she's also the founder of Pursuit Wellbeing, which is a platform to support school staff, manage stress, anxiety and daily school life, which couldn't be more relevant today mm. than ever before. I think we've always known it, um, but things have obviously um, come to a head and mm. more and more people are realising just how critical well-being is. Mm. So, Maria, it's a real pleasure to meet you. And thank you so much for being part of the Flying High podcast. Thank you. Um, so uh, what I'd love you to do is to tell us a little bit about you and um, tell us about the work that you're doing. Yeah, thank you. And and I, I couldn't agree more that well-being is on the agenda in a way that it never has been before, but it's often seen to be something quite tokenistic that you know, it usually involves sugar in the staff room or, you know, something and often well-meaning, but I can see that changing and I can see people wanting more. And and I hope this conversation is a good news story because um, I know people are feeling the, the frustration or the difficulty and the challenge of being in school at the moment. But I, I just want to share some, some really great research I've been doing with my partner, Dr. Carla Stanton, and really good news and results that we're getting. So my background, as you kindly said in the introduction, is that I'm a counsellor, I'm a coach, I've worked in schools, I've worked in well-being in the kind of general field of well-being for over 30 years in lots and lots of different capacities. And I've worked in schools for about 16 or 17 years now. The work that I'm doing very specifically focusing on the health and well-being of head teachers mm -hmm. and then the ripple effect of that out across the school has been very much brought about by the by the pandemic because um uh I we as consultants as people that work with school we weren't able I wasn't able to actually work with schools at all in the, the first six to nine months of the lockdown because it was just so difficult for everybody and mm -hmm. um and I think as heads were getting getting to grips with what they were required to do and how learning had changed so dramatically in that time, it gave me time to really reflect on what could be a practical intervention that would help. And, and somebody contacted me and his name's Andy Mellor and he was a president of the NAHT, the Head Teachers Union. And he said, is there anything you can do to help heads? He said, I'm so worried because he knew that there was a link between stress and heart disease. And he said, you know how you do that stuff with the heart? Is, is there anything you can do quickly that could help? And so together with my partner, Carla, she's a doctor and she's the medical director of an organization called Heart Math, M-A-T-H. And, and they developed this incredible technology that helps people see in real time what stress is, what it's doing in their body, what, what it's doing in their heart. And so we designed a program of four sessions where 
We work with head teachers to help them see and understand what stress is, help them measure it on a daily basis using this technology, which is just a little app and a thing that you wear on your ear for 10 minutes a day and and coaching. And so we just did four sessions together with people and tested it in the Essex Primary Head Teachers Association with 12 of their heads and did a pilot, proper pilot study and have since worked as, as Alison and I were talking before the podcast started. I've moved to Surrey. And so, <clears throat> pardon me, I, I work with leaders mostly in Surrey, but now virtually online all over the country as well. And we're able to show people what's happening in your body when you're stressed. And most people are quite alarmed to see it. But I'll, I'll share my screen now. And Alison and I will describe to you, if you're listening to this, uh, what we're actually seeing. So you can quite clearly imagine it <clears throat> but this <clears throat> pardon me for for my cough so I'll just get a little sip of water okay what you can see on the screen here is a snapshot of somebody's readings from from this um technology the the inner balance that they wear on the ear and we look at three really key markers the first one is the heart rate the second one is something known as heart rate variability. And if you've got an Apple, you know, smartwatch or a Fitbit or something like that, um, it's something that shows up on that. And the third one is the rhythm of the heart rate, and that's known as coherence. So looking at these three things, I'm looking at a slide here. This person is a deputy head teacher uh, and his heart rate is 56 beats per minute, which is on the low side, which is I happen to know he's a very fit guy, he does a lot of uh, workouts, etc. So that explains that. The second thing we're looking at is something known. I'll invite you, in fact, let's do a little experiment right in this moment together. Just take two fingers and take your pulse. So just using the, uh, taking your pulse just under the thumb on your non-dominant hand and just slow your breathing down a little bit. So breathe in through your nose and out through your nose and just start to notice as you're breathing, What's happening to your pulse? And if you can't find it, don't worry. It might You might be able to find it in your jugular, but don't worry too much about it if you can't find it. But Alison, can you notice any difference between the pulse, the in-breath on your pulse and the out-breath your, of your pulse? I've noticed, noticed it slowed down, which yeah. is quite bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Something so simple can actually yeah. slow things down. Yeah. Um, so that's your overall heart rate is slowing down just by taking a few breaths will we'll naturally do that. But what you'll notice, and I invite anybody listening, as you breathe in, your heart rate speeds up. And as you breathe out, your heart rate slows down. And that's a naturally occurring phenomenon in the body known as heart rate variability. And that's the, the single most accurate predictor of the health of your heart is your heart rate variability. And High heart rate variability means that it speeds up a lot and it slows down a lot. And that's what we want because there's a capacity in our system. If I need to run and get my keys, I left my phone somewhere. If I need to run, I want my heart rate to speed up quickly and I want it to slow down quickly when I sit down. So that's a, a measure of the capacity in our system. Low heart ask, rate. Is that why um, the whole sort of cold water swimming Yes, has uh, become such yeah. an important thing that people are doing. Yeah, because what we're actually looking at on a deeper level is what's happening in our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so cold water swimming 
activates the branch of the nervous system called the parasympathetic branch. I won't go into any more detail than that, but yeah, it really strengthens that because the the other branch is the sympathetic branch, which is, uh, it doesn't mean anything like sympathy in the way that we normally understand it, <clears throat> but it means the part of the system that's activated when we're stressed. And if you think about it, most of us know how to turn on the stress response and very few of us know how to quickly turn it off. But cold water swimming is one of those things that really can do that in quite a dramatic way. Yeah, it mm. actually strengthens that part of the nervous system that is um, underused for many people. But the, this image that we're looking at here, so we can see some kind of very graphic lines look a bit like an earthquake tracer and it's quite dysregulated. So it looks a little bit chaotic. But there's a lot of variability. So um, there's uh, the, the heart is speeding up a lot and slowing down a lot. And so that's a good sign. And so our hypothesis would be that somebody with this much heart rate variability, so this big, um, the, the big gaps between the heart, the breathing in and breathing out, they could easily change the rhythm. So the rhythm here looks very chaotic, but I'm just going to change to the next slide, which is this is the before, this is the after. So now that the rhythm looks very smooth, so it's going up and down like a beautiful wave. And this is cardiac coherence. So what we're looking at here, there's a good level of heart rate variability, but the coherence has changed. The rhythm of it has changed dramatically. And Alison, as you described, it's like, oh, my heart slowed down a little bit. And, and I hope that people will have noticed just taking a few breaths will make you feel a little bit more regulated, a little bit calmer. And that is what we teach people to do. And we use technology to do it because most people, when we feel chronically stressed, like we're stressed all of the time, especially during term time, it's hard for us to be objective about it. It's hard for us to even recognize, well, do I feel any better? I don't know. This is, this is just how I feel during term time. Well, when you use technology to show you, this is what people really respond to because there's no getting away from it. I've never seen such a dramatic representation of the power of the breath. It's yes. amazing. It is remarkable. It is remarkable. And I'll show you one other. I'll leave that one. But this is this what we're looking at is kind of the opposite. So it's a tiny little wiggly line mm -hmm. in the middle of the screen. Very little. It's like a little tiny wave. And this is low heart rate variability. And this is shown when you breathe in. You can, so every time you breathe in, the heart rate speeds up a little bit. So you can see it's speeding up a little bit, slowing down a little bit. But it's only a couple of beats per minute difference. So this is showing a real lack of capacity in this person's system. And I happen to know that they're not very well. There's all kinds of issues in their life and in their health. Um, again, a head teacher of longstanding um she's about 60 years old and so you would expect to see a bit of a decline in heart rate variability it's a natural part of the aging process but it's something that we can do a lot to change and so this is her before and this is after wow. right so building wow. capacity in the system so what we're seeing here is a great big curve a big wave that's showing as you breathe in the heart rate is speeding up significantly and slowing down significantly so Low heart rate variability is the biggest predictor of all cause mortality, of all reasons for dying, but very specifically of heart disease. Because you can see in this little wave, there's there's so little happening, mm. right? There's and, and if it gets smaller and smaller, we end up with a flat line. What yes. we're talking about is not trivial, right? It's really not trivial. This is what stress does to the body. 
But as I said right at the beginning, the good news is we can turn it around by learning how to regulate our own nervous systems in a really powerful way. Wow. Wow. So uh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for sharing those slides. They, yeah. uh, they truly are uh, remarkable. So mm. tell us about the kinds of work that you're doing directly with schools to yeah. enable them to um, understand the power of breathing and um, taking care of themselves in a better way so that they yeah. can get a, a better quality of breathing and a quality of life. Yeah, thank you. Well, I mostly work with head teachers and we work in small groups. And there's we have this, we developed this really robust three pillar approach. So it's all about education, teaching people what's happening in their body, in their nervous system. Just as I started to briefly describe there, the different parts of the nervous system, what's turned on when you're stressed, what's turned off, and how you can learn to regulate that yourself. The second part is using the technology and being able to visually see what's happening when you're stressed and how to regulate yourself quickly. We say that people can turn off their system in three minutes or less. And wow. most people learn how to do it in just a couple of breaths and really feel the effects of that, really, and, and understand what's happening. And the third part is coaching. So me and we're building up a team of coaches to help guide people through this process. And it's four sessions, they're two hours, uh, and people love being in a group with other colleagues because it can feel so lonely to be a school leader you know yes it feels like there's so much pressure coming up from colleagues from families from students so much pressure coming down from Ofsted from the department from governing bodies you know there's mm -hmm. so much you're right in the middle of it but what starts to happen then is people say well then how can I teach this to my staff mm -hmm. so we've developed a simple version of the course to, to, to teach to staff and then the third thing they say is then how do we help students and young people do that so we're developing that at the moment we're working with a six big six form college and gcc and a level kind of students at the moment to help them learn these processes how to regulate your system and and even though we're breath is the quickest way into that there's lots of other ways to do it but it's really understanding what's going on under the hood like you know yeah. what's happening inside of us and what we can do to take a lot of control of that and it's not expensive to learn to breathe no no and you don't so, need I mean, it, everybody you can don't do need it. extra resources or anything <laughs> like that you know it, yeah. it is literally something every school could do yeah um just to, just to emphasize that our program isn't free breathing no, no, is free no. but our program isn't free just yeah. so just so you no, know no. <laughs> Well, that's completely reasonable. And if I remember correctly, you said that the you often run the courses on a Friday. Uh, we, so... we do sabbaticals on Fridays. Yeah. 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 And we just... bring heads together to to come out of school for a day in the, in the beautiful Surrey Hills to um, to have some R&R &R out of school. And yeah, well, I can't think of a nicer way to spend an afternoon or a, a, a Friday. Okay. Yeah. Uh, learning how to really make a difference in your school yeah um when i was um i think around 2013 2014 mm. um i i actually uh hit the wall um yeah. and i had burnout yeah um and i uh uh had to learn how to um i had to learn how to go on um I had to learn how to work effectively. Mm. And um, one of the things 
that I um, did was I started learning mindfulness. But then once I learned mindfulness, we then cascaded it to the staff mm. who then cascaded to the pupils. Yes. And the, to the, 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 the mood in the school and everybody's behavior, there was a gear change. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was the power of yeah. learning, just learning how to breathe. Yeah. Um, and to be still for a little while because we we frantic. Um, yes. It's really, really yeah. difficult. Yeah. And to pick up on that, really to underline that point, Alison, that it's what happens when we breathe. It's the regulation of the nervous system. And that's the one thing that we can do and that we can teach our colleagues and young people. Because when we're dysregulated, all kinds of things go wrong. And I say go wrong. Um you know, behavior becomes extremely difficult for the person, for the young person themselves to manage or colleagues to manage. Um, our thinking becomes clouded, our ability to organize ourselves and prioritize, all kinds of things happen when we're dysregulated. We make much poorer choices about what we eat and drink. We make poorer choices in our relationships or, or they become difficult. So lots of things happen when we're dysregulated and understanding what they are and understanding what we can do about it reminds us very quickly then to do some practices that can that can help us regulate ourselves quickly and effectively. Yeah. One of the things the children learn to do, they and they'd actually come along and sort of say, I'm feeling really angry, something's mm -hmm. happening in the playground and so on. Mm -hmm. They did box breathing. Yeah. And just Beautiful. kind of learning to follow yeah. the breath. Yeah. Uh, and that's all you're focusing on is is just regulating your breath. Yeah. And having some language around that, recognizing, you know, we talk about the two kind of wings of this bird. One of them is self-awareness, recognizing, you know, like you just described, a child being able to say, I'm feeling angry, something happened. But then self-regulation, what can I do about that? Because so often if we're not aware that we're just feeling, we're seething underneath and we don't even possibly know why, and we don't do anything about it, that's our body will always get us back into balance, whether that's through, you know, going for a run or a walk or having a bath or a nice meal or opening a bottle of red and binging on Netflix. Like <laughs> our body will get us there, <laughs> whether it's in a healthy, sustainable way or not. Our yeah. body cannot stay in a state of dysregulation yeah. without at least trying to do something. And the other big win that we noticed was if you try to fix a problem when a child's in distress for whatever can't reason, even if they're coming to yeah. you, they yeah. can't do it. But if no. they just spend, you know, even if it's 20 breaths of just yeah. box breathing yeah. and then you sort of say, OK, let's begin to fix the problem. The conversation exactly. is completely different. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's you can't solve a problem. Einstein said this. You can't solve a problem with the level of thinking that got you into the problem to start with. You have to change something and it might as well be yourself. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Wow. Well, I wasn't expecting to have this conversation, but it ah. really resonates with me. Right. Um, and it's really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. So uh, you've shared a little bit about the kinds of training that you are doing and that people can find you in the Surrey Hills and all those yeah. sorts of things. What's going especially well for you at the moment mm. that you want us to celebrate? Yeah, I guess the results that we're getting. You know, I worked with 50 heads last term. Wow. We're, we're working with another 60 just in this summer term that's coming up now, depending on when people listen to this. Like we're working with a lot of people and the results are consistently, you know, e excellent. People are just feeling better. And 
And that's my my one kind of hope for people listening to this, that it you can feel a lot better. It doesn't have to be um, a drudgery. It doesn't have to be stressful and awful going into to school. It can be a really, you can remember why it's fun and enjoyable and not to say that it's not challenging. It doesn't, it doesn't have a di it's difficult moments. But when we're dysregulated, we tri trigger ourselves into a state that everybody's familiar with, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. But to tease them apart a little bit, if you're dysregulated and you can't fight something, you can't fight the system, you can't fight anybody, then you're going to want to leave, right? That's why we have such a mass exodus of, of, of leaders and teachers leaving the profession, because we're in this dysregulated state of fight or flight. So our body is screaming to us, get out, get me out of here, get me out of here. It's dangerous. If you learn to regulate yourself quickly and effectively, then many people say, I was thinking of leaving. I'm not now. I love this. I love my work. And finding a way to do it in a healthy, sustainable way is, is what we're getting so much joy from at the moment. Like it's possible, possible to feel a whole lot better. Thank you. That's really powerful. Mm. So, Maria, I want to say thanks so much for joining us and um, telling us this is a simple way of yes. fixing a massive problem. Yeah. And it's not going to fix all of the problems, but it is uh, a really powerful way where we can take control. This is something we yeah. have control over. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Oh, you're very welcome. And and I want to just pick up on that point that you made about the, the child. You know, if you teach them 20 breaths and that then you start to solve the problem. I would take that same approach with colleagues in staff meetings. Let's all just get regulated. Let's take 10 breaths together and then have our staff meeting, or then address this safeguarding issue, then talk about anything, you will have an entirely different quality to that conversation. And that's how we really start to solve these problems. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Maria. Okay, thank you. Huge thanks to Maria Brosnan for being a guest on the Flying High podcast. If you'd like to know more about the amazing program that Maria is doing with school leaders, it's called the Head Teacher Heart Health Program, and details can be found on the Pursuit Wellbeing platform. We will include a link with the notes to go with this podcast. Um, thanks to, to our listeners for joining us. Please go to the Wednesday Winners Forum on the Above and Beyond app to share your good news stories. This is us reclaiming our right to celebrate the amazing work that we are doing in our schools every day. If you'd love to be a member on this podcast, then please just drop me a line. Everyone would be very, very welcome. If you work in education and you'd like to take part in an episode of the Flying High podcast, simply contact me. I'd love to hear from you and we welcome diversity in voices. Thanks to all our Flying High guests and to the education community for working together to make every school a great school. Take good care of you.